0: Welcome to Gospel Central, where we help ministry-minded Christians to think through Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. We are here to discuss how this gospel is the very heart of Christian faith and how it empowers all of life and ministry. We are your hosts. I'm Ed. And I'm Simon. And we are glad to have you listening in as you consider all kinds of practical and theological topics through the lens of the
1: gospel. Hey, Simon, it's, uh, it's great to have you here today with us. Thanks, Ed. Nice to be here and be able to talk to you today. And we are going to talk about consumerism. Consumerism? What on earth does that have to do with the church, Ed?
0: Uh, it's almost like asking what um, water is to fish, right? Um, consumerism is almost the, uh, the very air that we breathe. Um, I, I, I read a very early author... Um, not very, but that's 20, almost well, 20 years ago, but it's still true that, um, David Wells, who said that it seems as if the modern age, um, almost requires us to really embrace our identity as being consumers. Um, right. and it's really a social and economic order that encourages uh, an acquisition of goods and services in ever increasing amounts, which is that, um, A lot of times, uh, that's how society wants us to see ourselves and that's how we tend to see ourselves and that we are just simply acquiring more and more goods and services. And that also can be challenging for the Christian faith.
1: It can. I think, you know, for for years and years, this is something that many churches have wrestled with and struggled with, where sometimes Christians can actually see themselves as consumers Mm -hmm. And they want to choose a church based on the products and services that they offer. Right. And they kind of go around church shopping and hopping. And in our day and age, in COVID-19, mm-hmm. uh, we're recording this in September uh, 2020. Right. That, uh, that ability or temptation to consume is actually even greater. Uh, you were telling me about some phrase that you heard that Christians are tempted to, to, to be involved in. Well,
0: I just heard what I the Christians during this pandemic have been zooming around the world looking for
1: churches. (laughs) And how possible that is. Seeing the churches online, it really is uh, is possible to do that. And whilst we recognize that there are certain aspects of technology that are a great Mm -hmm. blessing and we really want to be grateful for those, we do want to recognize that, as you've said, consumerism is to people on earth just like water is to fish. Mm -hmm. And therefore, to try and I guess identify what consumerism is, what some of its negative uh, side effects can be, and then how we can actually try and shape and lead our members um, and ourselves as Christians to not hope to hopefully think not as consumers but as citizens, as those who uh, have a very different kind of identity.
0: So to flesh this out, why don't we think more about what consumerism is? I mean, for example, what are the values of this, what is its values and how does it actually affect consumers and providers? Um, what do you think are the main values of uh, consumerism, Simon?
1: So I think when we talk about consumerism, there are two main values that underlie this system of belief. The first value um, is that we are the chief author of, of our identities and of mm-hmm. who we want to be. So that means we actually get to choose. And mm. our identity is based many ways upon the choices that we make with our lives and it's it's self-determined. And therefore, individual freedom of choice reigns supreme, right? right? Self-determination is at the center of decision-making and we have, and so essentially that freedom to choose becomes the ultimate good. So I think that's the first value with the chief author of our identities. And mm. then the second value is that uh, we often, I think consumerism has, or thinks or believes that our priority in life is to consume more and more in a cycle of insatiable felt needs so what we feel like what we want uh we just end up consuming and we don't necessarily contribute as much as we are just those that feed off receive our passive consumers instead of those that are actively involved and, and engaging And I, th- I think the way that this in- affects consumers consumers is that um in a sense, what we see is that affecting change and engaging with the world um, is immaterial in this way of life, primarily by freedom to consume for self-satisfaction.
0: Yeah, I mean, what I'm hearing you saying is that um, consumerism seems to really um, enf- well, reinforce the sense of self-determination. Yeah. But on the other hand, ironically, it makes us actually very passive. So, um, So in a consumeristic world, there are really two agents, uh, two groups of people. They are the consumers and they are the producers. Right. And and consumers, and, and, and what happens for the consumers then is that they don't think so much about, you know, affecting change or engaging with the world um, because what they're primarily caring about is how they can just consume for their own self-satisfaction. Right. right,
1: so in that sense, like another way to talk about it is like selfishness, right? Where in a sense, mm-hmm. we're the center and we engage with things around us as to whether we can consume them, whether they can make us happy. Right. But that's the lens through, through which we're really engaging with the world.
0: And so possessions, relationships, what you do can just uh, it almost be objectified because all these things can become just a way to create my self-concept and to for me to really express my self-identity. Right. That's what consumers do. That's
1: absolutely right.
0: And on the other side, producers, um, because of how... They're driven by the market, so to speak, is really an economics thing. Yes. Um, that they they what they really care about is how, how to make it make their products, make their services more and more appealing to those consumers, so that they can actually consume more. And uh, of course, it means that to be a better producer it means that more people are consuming your products than others.
1: That's right. So a metric of their success is obviously numbers and mm. how, as you say, how many people consume those, and therefore. Products or their services may actually not be designed to be the best for people. Mm-hmm. They often are designed to be uh, to get the best result for the company, right? To maximize engagement, dollars, etc. So that's typically how companies would think, because the bottom line is their own profit.
0: It may be the
1: most tasty food, but it may not be the healthiest. <laughs> Do you have any examples of food like that yet? <laughs> and yet, we all find ourselves uh, enjoying and consuming because of the happiness that yes. uh, those foods will provide us.
0: Yes. But surely, uh, when you think about it in this way, um, there's a sense in which that I think that um, the consumeristic culture affects both Christians and the church. Um Of course, we're thinking more of the church as a producer, but um, certainly Christians will be consumers over here.
1: Absolutely. One of the uh, real significant implications of consumerism is that these values of consumerism that affect consumers and providers um, actually really end up shaping cultural values rather Mm -hmm. than the other way around. And this affects all different areas of life, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the areas that this affects is obviously our faith. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is consumerism um, doesn't end up only becoming an economic system but Mm. for many of us it can become a framework through which we interpret everything in life including ironically god um, Mm. and the gospel Mm -hmm. and the church so i'm sure many of us are aware of how this reality does play out in churches right um and part of the point of talking about this is that as you so rightly pointed out, this is like water in which we swim. And so to take time to explore that is is helpful for us to realize how in our own lives we may even be a- approaching God ourselves like this.
0: So why don't we talk about how it actually affects uh, Christians and um, think about how our sometimes unknowingly our behavior can really reflect that more being a consumer rather than being a Christian.
1: Okay, so I think... The first way that consumerism can affect like individual Christians is how we as Christians approach our own faith. So, you know, Mm -hmm. consumerism is driven by self at the center of decision making. Mm -hmm. And consumerism says that you, in a sense, get to construct and assert your own identity by. You know curating your own life through your own choices we can actually bring that thinking into the church right Mm -hmm. and we think well we can get to curate our own faith our own christianity based on our own individual preferences and Mm -hmm. i'm the consumer i'm the one that gets to decide and choose Mm -hmm. and there are certain things that jesus says that i really like Mm he will bless me he'll be with me um i get to avoid hell uh it's like those aspects i'll definitely take those um but there's certain other aspects that we may find unpalatable and we as as the one to get to make the the decision and consume Mm -hmm. it to reject certain aspects. So that's certainly one way that we can see that working out. Do you, do you feel like this is something that you see uh, happening in our day and age?
0: Definitely. Um, But what you said just remind me of uh, something that uh, I think Carson quipped uh, in one of his books where about uh, Philip Yancey's um, book that's titled um, Disappointment with God. And I think the irony is that the book is on the bookshelf, but at the book, back of that book of Philip Nancy's book, there's a 30 day money back guarantee. So while you are allowed to be disappointed with God, but we will, nef- we will definitely not make you disappointed with this 30, 30 day money back guarantee, <laughs> guarantee. But, um, having said that, I think that, um, even when in how people choose churches, for example, right? Reflects actually um, that consumeristic mindset. They think about the life stage. They think about, um, you know, for example, does this church have a vibrant kids ministry? Um, because I'm a family of with kids, right. or if I'm single, um, then you judge whether I want to join this church based on the prospects of I mean my of me meeting my life partner. Right. <clears throat> and I think that these are, although I don't think that these are. Definitely wrong considerations, but they should not be the top priority. Surely the first question we should be asking of any church you want to join is, does it preach the gospel? Is it faithful to the Bible? And these are primary questions that should be asked instead of um, um, first, then we, should, uh, then we should ask these uh, secondary questions.
1: Absolutely. So I guess just like in consumerism, many of us wear brands or choose brands because they kind of build our identity or we gain some some sort of sense of identity. Mm. Ironically, we could do the same thing with the faith, right? And even choose churches or, an, or certain expressions of Christian faith mm-hmm. uh, and reject others that kind of build our identity or uh, where, where Jesus, in a sense, is moved from Lord to a mm. label mm-hmm. who kind of helps me look a certain way mm-hmm. um, or I attend this church or I attend that church. And so... Right. Faith no longer carries an expectation of obedience, trust, and holiness, but it can quickly become, yeah, like some kind of consumption of a feel-good experience um, that's actually more about building my own sense of identity rather uh, than Mm. really being folded into the people of God and and receiving Scripture as the one thing that guides us rather than something that we pick and choose. Um, I guess this would affect not only our individual faith as we've spoken about, but mm. it would affect our relationship with the church itself, right? So right. how would you see that um, fleshing out?
0: And I think that just piggybacking on your last comment on community, I think that one of the ways that definitely shapes our relationship with the church is that when we actually hear even good and legitimate commands, and instead of it becoming something that we think that we, it is something that we should aspire to do ourselves or follow to follow Jesus, it becomes an expectation That we have, we foist upon the church. So one of the, um, for example, we have, we have mentioned this before, I I think, which is community, where when you hear about community in church, it says, that's a good idea. But then instead of thinking about how we can grow, I myself can grow to be a better community to those around me. Mm. I start to measure those around me based on the standards that's actually being talked about. And that, and I get disappointed. Yes. And therefore, I begin to grow in bitterness and therefore I, 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 I think about leaving and, and also a different kind of relationship issues and ensues so from that. And I think at the heart of it is that it's really sticking things through the mindset and lens of being a consumer rather than being a Christian.
1: That's right. So in a sense, we're kind of measuring everything according to our expectations and when mm-hmm. we feel disappointed, mm-hmm. then the natural... Answer for us is, oh, my needs are not being met here I must just go somewhere else where they're going to be met. Instead of seeing ourselves as a part of that community that's supposed to help be that community that we, exactly. know God desires for us to be. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Shall we talk about how how uh, consumerism affects the church?
1: Yeah. So we've spoken a bit about how it affects Christians, how mm-hmm. the, it how it shapes how we approach our faith, it shapes our relationship with the church. But let's think about how consumerism can affect churches themselves. Mm. So I guess in in a culture that is just, you know, uh, submerged in consumerism, churches can really end up changing our God-given purpose. And instead of seeing our identity Mm -hmm. as um, our identity as people who called out, set aside for God, where Christ is the head of the church, the church can change our purpose in the following ways. We can really see ourselves as becoming a provider of religious experiences Mm -hmm. and services. And, Christians, seekers can become customers whose wishes, um, are ultimate. Mm-hmm. And our worship, our services, our songs, our programs, our preaching length, the kind of preaching we have. Right. Everything we do basically gets bent to consumeristic preferences and wants. And mm. this is such a strong temptation when we actually really want people to be engaged, right? So, so, so this can really take a missional edge where. Right. It seems like you're really loving people because you want to reach as many as possible. But when Mm. we are actually departing from what faithfulness to God is in order to meet the needs of people, we have succumbed to a sense of consumerism. So do you have any reflections on on that tension between that desire to obviously connect with people, which springs from a, a good motive, surely, and going over into consumerism?
0: I think that um, it's really, in a sense, um, a difficult um, and delicate balancing act to do, um, for lack of a better word, because um, I think on a the spectrum, there could be those who think that um, there could be, sorry. So on a on one-on-one spectrum, there could be those who are just simply pandering to every single uh, wants and desires of um, the people in church. And so it really, like what you say, is in the end, what is result is actually bent or even shaping entirely everything that's going on in the church. But there's another side, I think, which is another extreme, which is kind of like we will just preach the way that we want to, we just run the church that we want to without any regards at all to uh, the conditions of the people who are actually attending the church. And I think that um, Christian ministry at heart, like what you say, is, is that one to really serve and help people to follow Jesus. Right. And so we must actually really diagnose their spiritual condition. Yes. We must really know them and we must really be able to offer medicine and help that really speaks to their condition. But
1: right. then
0: that doesn't mean that we are, we are refraining from speaking to them difficult things. Yes. It doesn't mean that um, sometimes we do have to lead strongly and ask people to even go beyond what they would normally do. Yep, but um, it certainly does. But on the other hand, it certainly does not mean that we will not actually pay any heed to what what the people are saying. For example, yeah, yes. I think it's one thing to say that we would like to listen to feedbacks, but it's quite another to be
1: entirely feedback driven. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think the way that you describe that gets to the tension where we have to be faithful to god he's the one that we're primarily Mm -hmm. acting before his Mm -hmm. word constrains us Mm -hmm. and like paul says we have to preach the full counsel of god there's nothing we can avoid or water Mm -hmm. down and yet what we do want to do is try and find a way to get that message and 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 without changing that faithfulness at all Mm -hmm. ensure that that lands as effectively as as possibly um upon our hearers. so we are seeking to be contextual but at the end of the day, pleasing people is not what's driving us. So I guess if that happens, right, then the mission of the church has changed, like how consumerism would affect the church. It changes the mission from making disciples to simply gathering numbers. And that Mm. becomes the metric of how well we're doing. Um, How else do you think that consumerism can affect the church?
0: I think consumerism can really affect the church in the end. Um, Sometimes, uh, unfortunately, in an attempt to reach the people, uh, there could be what we call an over-contextualization of the gospel. Okay. Where you really only preach the the, the aspects or the parts of the gospel, which actually affirms um, of, um the desires and the wants of what the people of of the of the prevailing culture. So, can you uh,
1: think of an example of that?
0: For example, a very clear example in Singapore will actually be the, be the prosperity gospel because um, in the prevailing culture of Singapore, there's such a huge emphasis on material wants and needs. So telling people that God wants to bless you, God really wants you to live a prosperous and healthy life, is something that's very appealing to them. But, um, and of course, um, that is problematic in itself because I think the only true prosperity and health that we will really receive is when Jesus comes back in the new heavens and the new earth. Yes. Um, But on the other hand, you, you are actually then forsaking and, and, and not saying anything about enduring suffering and all those various passages in, in the New Testament that, um, that are not very palatable to, uh, that's not very um, compatible with uh, this sort of message.
1: Right. Another example could be, uh, even if we talk about something that the Bible does speak about, our sense of identity. Mm-hmm. If all your sermons only are talking about how Jesus loves you, there's a sense of identity that you have in God. And that's the big idea of every sermon. Mm. Um, whilst that idea is true in and of itself, if it, if you're not preaching the full counsel of God, that the problem is our sin. In fact, that we're alienated from God, there's judgment for those who do not have faith in Christ then that could also be a sense of over-contextualizing where you are finding a way that the gospel does connect with your culture, but then actually failing to be faithful to the full counsel of God um, because you're driven by just trying to hit that felt need that people have. So that's another way that we could see consumerism affecting our preaching and ministry.
0: And another way that I think actually factor affect would be that we, unfortunately, do have a tendency to think ourselves as being competitors with other uh, churches right um that affects our unity in the gospel um that also i think blunts the edge of uh, evangelism and mission because we tend to think then what we tend to think about um would be transfer growth rather than actually conversion growth right which is actually i think what jesus is actually primarily com- uh, commanding us to go for
1: that's a really really great point um, we end up seeing, yeah, you know, growth as a zero-sum game where mm. we want to have better programs or be more appealing to people in our city than other churches, and that's not fundamentally expanding or growing the kingdom at all. So those are really, really great examples. So let's maybe make a shift um, for our last couple of minutes. You know, mm. what does the what paradigm could we use, or, or what kind of biblical language could we use to try and think about our our status, our role? Um, as people in God's kingdom that we could maybe h- hold on to that will give us like a different handle um, as we seek to move away from the insidious ways consumerism affects our lives and churches?
0: Well, I think that we are not just merely consumers. Um, in some sense, we we do need to consume because we do live in such a society, but that's not our primary identity. Yeah. Right? We are actually... Um, by God's grace and those who are redeemed by Jesus who have been brought into his kingdom we are actually citizens of his
1: kingdom so from consumers to citizens that's right right um, and so let's think a little bit about this idea of being a citizen it, mm-hmm. uh, how do you see this affecting how we view ourselves as Christians if we were to see ourselves as citizens not consumers
0: I think a citizen definitely comes with its privileges. Just as, for example, uh, becoming a Singapore citizen, um, you you own the number two um, most powerful passport in the world. That's for example,
1: right. and I'm uh, eligible for uh, all the bonuses that are all the
0: uh, all the benefits. All the benefits that comes with being a citizen. Um, um, but at the same time, um, we do recognize that being a citizen is not only just about benefits. Is they're also about um, obligations. Right. Uh, because being a citizen of God's kingdom, for example, means that we recognize that we ultimately do not belong to ourselves. We belong to God. And we belong to, and therefore what he says and what he thinks, and because we belong to him, he's our Lord. And that actually becomes the primary lens through which we actually interpret all of life. And that should actually shape us, um, you know, instead of our own desires. Right? And... Um, That that means that actually becoming a citizen or being a citizen of the kingdom is really um, trying to work out the implications of what that means.
1: Right. So there's a shift from us being the center where we, through Mm -hmm. our choices and purchasing power and Mm -hmm. freedom, get to determine who we are to actually being conferred an identity and Mm -hmm. a Lord and a master Mm -hmm. um, and a way of life in this new kingdom. That Jesus right. has sought to establish. So we don't have. We, this is actually very liberating in some in some sense, right? Mm-hmm. Because we, we, we're freed from the need to construct our own identity in life mm-hmm. and to acquire possessions and experiences as the means of happiness and value. It's like all these things are given to us in the kingdom. Yeah. Okay. And how how do you think that would affect our relationship with the church then if we saw ourselves not as consumers but as citizens?
0: Well, then we realize that God did not he just. Um, Save us as individuals um, and not individuals who continue to live for ourselves, as you as mentioned, but we are going to live for God. But God actually put us in, in his kingdom and we are fellow citizens with um all of God's people. So I think that really changed the way that we think about community. Um, and again, it's not about how we expect community to work, but it has implications for how we should actually um relate to them. I mean, for example, one way I think about this is that um, we are we are in this covenant relationship with God. Yes. And part of what it means to be citizens of the kingdom means that in some sense, through that covenant with God, we are also in, in a sense covenant, in a covenant relationship with other Christians as well. And this actually then changed the shape of how we should actually relate to them, which means that we are not just, for example, consumers of friendships or relationships or yes. whatever we think that they're producing for us. But we are actually really part of this whole body of redeem, redeemed sinners that God is actually using to make this world new.
1: That's fantastic. So we don't simply become the ones who decide how we're going to engage, but we've been put into a family, into a body, mm-hmm. into a kingdom. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned earlier, we have both privileges and responsibilities, that mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. that we are given, that we're put inside, but also a responsibility to love and to care And we don't simply just get to pick and choose what it is that we want to do. Mm -hmm. And I guess this would affect the church as well, right, where the church itself then sees its role and purpose as this divinely um, authorized outpost of the kingdom. Right. And instead of being a providers of a product, the church is clear about its mission and teaching of discipling the saints, promoting the fellowship of believers. And living out, demonstrating what kingdom life is like to those outside. Mm. So it really like reframes the whole way that we think about this. And I guess even mm. as we talk through these categories, we, we realize how countercultural this is for us. So mm-hmm. for our last couple of minutes, let's maybe talk a little bit a little bit about how we can encourage people to think about moving from being consumers to citizens. I guess one thing we probably may, maybe should have said earlier in this episode, but it's worth saying now, is that most many people come to churches and all of us, even pastors to some extent, come with some kind of consumeristic thinking. So what sure. we certainly don't want to do is try and shame people or embarrass people or scold them for thinking this way. We recognize this is just one part yes. of discipleship in all of our lives, yes, right? right? And we, when people do come thinking like this, instead of shaming or embarrassing or scolding them, what we want to hopefully, helpfully, uh, hopefully help people see is how we can grow to understand the nature of the kingdom and what it's like to be a citizen. So maybe we can look at a couple of practical examples before we wrap up.
0: Sure, I think one one example would be that instead of um, thinking that um, we, me as congregant will only pay X amount of time and resources and I will, and I can expect Y, right, okay? Um, One I really think about is that this church is really the family that God has placed me in in through his blood. And so these are actually my brothers and sisters. This is actually my family. So I don't actually have that kind of transactional mindset when I actually do it with my family, for example.
1: Great. Uh, Another example they're thinking about transactional nature of church Hmm. would be um, when we think about serving in the church, we just think, look, you know, if this is not how I want to serve or doesn't suit me, then I just won't serve. That would be like a consumerist mm-hmm. mentality, but a citizen's mentality would be, I'm a citizen here with both rights and responsibilities, and I'm just glad to serve even when it doesn't always suit me and it really won't always suit me.
0: And one, another thing is like um, the kind of critical kind of mindset, because if members of the church, they see other members, they're not actually contributing, they're not pulling their weight, they're not adding value, I tend to judge them. But I guess in a citizen mentality, um, what you actually tend to think about is that we are all actually members of the same body. Right. And there are sometimes weaker and stronger uh, parts of the the body. Right. And we then have compassion towards each other. And sometimes the strong, we actually need to be glad to serve the needs of the weak.
1: That's fantastic. So saying that we need to be citizens doesn't mean that everyone in the church has to be engaged all the time. And those who are engaged Mm. judge those who aren't. That's not a citizen mentality, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And the weak definitely need to bear the load, sorry, the strong need to bear the load of the weak. And another example would just be church hopping or not being mm. committed, um, mm. where you know a consumerist mentality, I'm not part of any one church, just a global church. Right. I'm free to attend any church that suits my fancy for the week where I can get something better. Whereas a citizen mentality is I belong to God as my king who's built me in uh, in a covenant relationship with fellow citizens in a local body under his rule.
0: Um, and another, I I think kind of similar, but it's kind of like when you attend, even though you only attend a a particular local church, but you are actually disconnected from the community because you just want to be there just for the sermons, just for the teachings, but I don't really want to be known and I'm really interested in also knowing other people and building up a church, right? But I guess when you have a citizen kind of mindset, what you're really saying is that Look, I have been known by Jesus. He has chosen me. He has called me to be this on this outpost of the kingdom where I want to live out this new life with my with my fellow citizens, right? right? And I think it's really part of what it means to love God, right? Um, to love not only what the God you cannot see, but to love those whom you can see, and there's work that, that gets worked out in the local church. And in doing so, you point each other to Jesus in your walk, and we can work together for His mission.
1: That's great, Ed. In sum, as we wrap up today, the gospel comes to give us a hope that is way better than anything consumerism can offer us. Consumerism makes us the ultimate authority and power of our identity Mm -hmm. and our happiness through our choices. For some people who are rich and have the ability to make good choices, that can give us some kind of pleasure and comfort here on earth, but the gospel gives us something better. A God who has come after us confers on us a kingdom makes us his beloved citizens, and now invites us to live under his good rule um, for the good of those in our city and in our church too. So any closing thoughts for us before we wrap up today, Ed?
0: No, and that's indeed good news, that uh, we can be freed from the tyranny of being consumers, that we must be
1: citizens of God. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We trust that it's been encouraging for you, and we look forward to uh, you joining us soon. Bye.
0: Bye.